The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. You're going to want to listen today. We're going to start off talking about S. Is that a good teaser? Huh? I got your attention, right? Good Sunday morning to you. <laughs> this is the Faith of Eight on 930 WFMD on the FM at 99.9 HD2 and on the web at WFMD.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Troy Skinner. I'm the pastor of a church called Household of Faith in Christ. We have a website, householdoffaithinchrist.com. I encourage you to check us out. You can connect with this show and and a regular blog and all sorts of other audio and video things that are looped in there. And you can connect from that website to another website, which we'll be talking quite a bit about um, this week, like we did last week, and we will in future upcoming weeks. Uh, conqueredbylove.org. That's a ministry that's been around for uh, a couple of decades, I think, that the Rasby family has been involved with. And they go on tours around and speak at different groups, different churches, and they and they provide counseling. And they've got workshops and workbooks and all that sort of stuff. Last week, we were talking about marriage. And towards the end of the show, we started talking about the importance of uh, setting expectations. And one of the expectations has to do with uh, intimacy in the bedroom. And uh, we didn't have a chance because of the confines of the length of this show to finish up thoughts on that last week. So we're going to start there this week and then slide, I think, into a natural um, place from there when husband and wives get together and they start being intimate and stuff. You never know. You might have a little bambino arrive on the scene and uh, we'll be talking about parenting as well. But you, uh, Imran, there's some things that I guess were left unsaid about the importance of addressing the um, right. sexuality. So, so we talked about there's different expectations, right? Uh, a man has different expectations of uh, intimacy than a woman does. But one of the things is, is the man doing his job as the husband and the leader to be attractive to the wife? Because if he's not, then the wife is going to lose interest and not be interested in having sex. So we have to think about as, as a husband, as, as a father, as a husband, we need to know, are we doing what we're supposed to do? What makes us attractive to our wife? So how much rouge should a man wear? <laughs> <laughs> well, a, 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 a woman is attracted to strong leaders someone that has a strong relationship with Christ, that does do his job of leading his family in worship, in spiritual leadership, that's important. If you're not doing that, then you're not as attractive. Are you a protector? Are you so you're not protect- talking about combing your hair and uh, putting nope. on some sort of a frou-frou outfit or something. You're talking about right. stepping Looks- up and being, being, quote-unquote, being a man. Yeah, right? it's, it's stereotypical, but looks do not matter to a woman as much as they do to a man. Stereotypically, that's not to say it's, it's a blanket statement, but that's that's a little different than well groomed. You know, so being if you're well groomed and you take care of yourself, that's that's important. Um, but not having to be perfect. Uh, so, I mean, physical. Oftentimes, people shape. are uh, people are uh, curious: why are women attracted to um, singers and drummers and uh, the powerful men, even though they're ugly or whatever? Because it's power. It's it is a position of power, strength, and leadership. Women are built that way. They're attracted to that. Or honor in the society. In this case, the society right, right. probably in a, uh, not, not correctly, but honor is, you know, rock stars and so on. Do me a favor, by the way. Uh, pull that. Can you hear me that? Pull the windscreen off. Is that better? Let's see if it, you just, it seemed, you, you seemed just a little bit muffled compared to the other mics. And I, I wonder if it's a windscreen. We'll see if that's, uh, that's right. better. I think the volume was okay, hopefully, but, but it just seemed like you were in a different room from us. Yeah. So, so basically what I was saying is, Men, if you're not getting enough in the bedroom, 
then first do the expectations. Find out what is it that you're not doing for your wife that she expects you to do as a leader, as a husband, as a father, as uh, the spiritual leader of your house. Are you, does she feel protected by you? That's a big thing. And a lot, oftentimes, you know, as we talk, women get attracted to, th- to men that we would think are repulsive. I mean, to bad boys. Why would a good girl be attracted to a bad guy? Well, because they feel the power, the strength, okay? And they need to do that. And if it's not going to be good godly power and strength, they're going to be attracted to the sinful power and strength. It's just attracted power and strength. So are you doing your job to be attractive to your wife? It's not about having a dad body. It's not about having, you know, in perfect physical shape or having a full head of hair, which society tells us we need to have. But it is really about what is your stance. What are you doing? How are you being the rock in your family that you're supposed to? Are you leading your children and your wife towards God? Are you protecting them from, from society? Are you taking the care? Are you opening the door of, your, of the car or the, or the house? How are you doing? How are you treating your spouse special? Because if you're not doing that, then that's a big breakdown. It's, you become less and less attractive to your wife. And are you listening? Okay. Uh, men tend to get the two or three words in the sentence and know what the sentence is about and be done. Okay, I've heard that. Let's go. Let's move on. When many times a woman just needs to talk for a long period of time. I have a, that problem. I do that many times is that tune out. And men, a lot of men do. But we need to tune in and actually listen and participate in the conversation. That will make us closer to our spouses and our spouse will want to spend more intimate time with us if we're doing our job. The problem is most times we're not doing our job. Are you being man enough? Are you doing what God has led you to do as being a leader, being a husband that God has placed you to be and being strong? If you're not doing that, maybe that's where you need to work. And you're not going to change your spouse. You've got to change you. We talked about that with expectations before. Changing yourself is something you have control over. Changing your spouse, you don't have control over that. Okay. So assuming that things go well in the bedroom, you might end up having some babies come along the way. And that was actually our planned main topic for today. So we can transition. And uh, the way we're doing this, I mentioned this last week, uh, Conquered by Love Ministries uh, has a number of uh, books, booklets, short short books. So you, you know, if you're not a reader, don't be intimidated. These are relatively breezy reads, right? None of them are yeah. super very long. Very quick. Within 15, 20 minutes, you should be able to read yeah. through a book. Yeah, they're so, 30 to 50 pages long. It's, it's very short. So you can go to their website, find an area of interest, say, ooh, that one looks interesting, and, and, and kind of check it out. And so I clustered them into categories, and there's a handful of books that fit into the parenting category. There might be others, but these are the ones I noted. Uh, Training for the Long Term, uh, Why Did You Do That? How a Parent Can Help a Child Analyze His Own Heart, uh, Practicing Behavior, uh, subtitle, Are You Trying to Train Your Child on the Field During the Game? Uh, and Memorizing Scripture, um, Tips for Hiding God's Word in Your Children's Heart. So there's a lot of stuff there. Um, training for the long term seems broad and general. Does it tie it some is. of these other things together? Is it that sure does. That's kind of the foundational thing. It is. It's probably one of the most important books. Uh, next to that would be The Emotional Needs of a Child. Um, we might those, tackle that next week because yeah, that's kind of a right, that's broad a one too. Whole one by itself. But <laughs> training for the long term is, is a long term vision of what are you doing with your children. Um, you know, we assume that a child or anyone, anyone knows how to behave. Just like we talked last week, and you were talking about your grandmother assumed you knew how to behave after you showered. That's an assumption that's not there. She never trained you, and she uh, mistakenly thought that your mom trained you because she trained your mom. And a lot of times, as, as parents, when you, we see a child acting badly or a way that we wouldn't want, we, our first instinct is, especially if you're a Christian, your first instinct is instinct, rather, sorry, 
is to say, oh, wow, they're sinning. You know, I need to punish them for their sin. And whether you're a spanker or whether you're not a spanker, that's maybe a topic we can tackle a little later too. But regardless, there's some kind of punishment. We need to punish them so they know they got to stop sinning. they got to stop acting badly. Because any bad behavior is sin. It's and, just and immediately sin. Not ex- actually true. There's really three main root causes of bad behavior, and only one of them is sin. So the most important thing, first of all, is to find out, did you train this behavior? And second of all, is there actually an emotional need? And we'll talk about emotional needs next week, but training is really important. If you didn't even tell them, how do they know they're supposed to act that way? Maybe you thought you told them, but you didn't actually practice it. Because imagine if you're, uh, as we talked about your grandmother, um, if she punished you for not cleaning that shower after you showered, you would be completely taken aback, and your relationship with your, with your grandmother would have been damaged irreplaceably because you would not know why you're getting punished. She, nobody ever taught you. So we tend to punish our kids before we think, did we actually teach this first? Did we train this, uh, 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 this behavior or not? So that ties into the, one of the books. Of the, the practicing, practicing behavior. behavior, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of – think about it like a sports team, right? If you get on the field in the middle of a game – and the coach starts, you know, uh, yelling, oh, no, don't do that, you know, run, run the other way, you know, oh, no, the rule says you can't pick up the soccer ball with your hands. That's not the time to, to know what the rules are at the beginning, right? You need to practice beforehand. What do they do? The coach explains what the rules are. They make the kids memorize or the student memorize. You demonstrate. I, just, I had a story flash in my head that's, Go for uh, it. That, that really ties into when my daughter was really young. Uh, I played soccer when I was young, but... I never knew soccer well enough. Like, I couldn't coach it at the high school level or even the middle school age level. But for little kids, I played enough soccer. I know the basics uh, of how it's supposed to work. So I felt fine, you know, being her coach. I think I was a coach for three seasons when she was, you know, little, like mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight years old, that kind of age group. Uh, but when they're five, six years old, a lot of these kids, they, you know, they can barely pay attention uh, during the game, much less play. And so I decided as the coach, we're going to focus on one or two things, um, generally one, sometimes right. two things, uh, to prepare for for the next game. And the next game was to try to have them really focus on doing that thing well for that game. Exactly. And I remember this one uh, dad was getting very upset with his daughter and was yelling at her like crazy and was just destroying her confidence. And it was really kind of horrible. And I was figuring, trying to figure out how to handle it. And then... Uh, during a break in the action, I kind of sidled over and said, hey, you're not wrong what you're telling your daughter. We haven't focused on that, like, at all in practice. And it's something we'll probably be tackling either next week or the week after. Right now, I'm just trying to get her to focus on this. So if you, we could encourage her in that, that'd be great. And he actually handled that pretty well, and he stopped riding her quite so hard. Um, but there's an example of yeah. the dads coaching her during the game, mm-hmm. something that she had never practiced before. And, right. okay, maybe I should have, as the coach, maybe I should have had her focus on that first before the other things. Uh, but I was but we, trying to figure out the logical way to get them to understand. And we do he with, was on a different page for me. Maybe I could have done a better job communicating with the parents what I was up to as the coach, too. But, but anyway, it's it, yeah. that really... Well, we do it with parenting, but we don't do it with anything else in life. You don't take an intern at a Fortune 500 company and his first day on the job is to give a proposal for, for a multi-million dollar contract. Well, no, that's the, you teach the intern how to do all these things. He spends years Oh, learning. you have never had a job in radio sales, huh? <laughs> they show up, they hand you the back of the old exactly. days, they hand you the phone book and say, there's your list, go get them, Tiger. Yeah, and, and, those, and you bring him in to the experienced guy to close the deal, right? Yeah. So, and those don't succeed very well. That's, no, they don't. And that's the problem. Failure rates right? very, And, very and the military, high. they don't learn how to shoot the gun on the battlefield. They practice at a range. They shoot thousands of rounds of ammunition to make sure everything's accurate, and they do intensive training. 
and then they go to the battlefield. So same thing with parenting. Anything that you think you might want your kids to know, you should practice it ahead of time and do actual practice session. Take the two-year-old up and say, hey, we're going to practice sitting still today. Okay, let's see. How long can you sit still? And then have a game so for now, a few minutes and then teach them. And Oh, good job. You sat still for five minutes. Okay, tomorrow we might go to church and you might be able to sit down and be still for mommy and daddy. This is the type of things that you teach ahead of time and they practice and then they, they remember. Oh, it's a game now because now it's practice. And then when they don't do well after you've practiced, that's when I guess we get to this next book, Why Did You Do That? Right? They, they make bad choices and you're trying to analyze what their motivations so, were. Is right. that what that's about? So why did you do that? Parents are oftentimes quoted saying, why did you do that? You know, but they don't really ask. They're not really looking. They're rhetorical, an right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to. Uh, that's yeah, the, that's the answer you should they, get, right? But they don't really want the answer. They're just exasperated. It's, it's an exasperated question, and it is rhetorical because they don't really want the answer. But I, I challenge parents to actually find out why is it that you would do that. What were you thinking? Uh, what made you decide to do that? Because many times it's an emotional need. To give you an example. Um, we came home one time, and, and one of my kids, uh, you know, <clears throat> they were getting out of the car. They had a bunch of kids, and they were going to the house. And one kid pushed past the other one, knocking, him, knocking that child down and running into the house. We slammed the door. Slammed the door. We trained them not to do that, trained them to take the turn, hold the door for the girls and all this stuff, and he didn't do that. We could have, you know, got in there. I know we've trained it, right? So now it must be a sin problem. But it wasn't. So we said, why did you do that? Do what? I said, well, this is what you did. And he said, well, there was a dog barking, and, you know, I was really afraid of the dog, and I was running away. I didn't see anybody else. I didn't know that I slammed the door. I didn't know any of this stuff because he blocked all that out because he was afraid of the dog. And if we had punished him, then we would have damaged our relationship with him because he wouldn't be able to trust us. Because we now were, we're not, not protecting him. Yeah. You know, he, was, he wanted to be protected by us, but we were not protecting him. We were punishing him for something that he was trying to protect himself from. So we have to really find out why is, it, is this, why did you do that? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? And if we find that out, then we can change that behavior by helping them overcome those things as opposed to just punishing them. And that's really important. I don't know if people listening, you know, if you're listening right now, try to imagine a time when you were a child when you felt unfairly accused of something or prejudged on something. Because I'm having a couple of things pop into my head now, and for the space of time, it doesn't matter. I don't need to share a story. But there are times I can remember, and I'm thinking back to what that felt like. It actually damages the relationship between the child and the parent. When the parent prejudges negatively, assumes the worst. There's a verse about that. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Right? This, this is what it's talking about. You're either this or if you're being inconsistent. You say one thing and then you tell them something different the other day. Be consistent. Um, and make sure you're actually fulfilling all your duties as a parent before you punish them for something that really wasn't a sin issue. And these skill sets are, they, they, they cross-pollinate, right? Sure. I mean, these are the same things that a good boss should do at a company with his employees, right? You don't want exactly. to assume the worst of your employee. Find out, well, what were you thinking? Why you, We trained you better than that. Well, that's rather, rather accusatory, right? Explain, knowing that you trained them to do something differently, you say, Hey, Imran, uh, so-and-so says you did blah, blah, blah. Like, so what was going on with that? Yeah. Oh, well, because this and this. He's like, I'm not quite understanding. Our, our policy is this, or the way we train is that. And you're like, oh, I know, but uh, give them a chance to explain themselves. And if they can't explain themselves, well, then you, you got to yeah. deal with that. I mean, I've trained lots of people in the financial service world. And we teach them, we tell them what we're going to do. Then we do that with them. We train them. And then we have them practice. We role play. How many parents actually role play with their children? We do that. 
the lunch table or the dinner table are great times to do that. Yeah, especially when we adopted a bunch of children and they came in with totally different background than we that they than growing up with us. So we would actually take time at lunch or dinner and practice how to shake hands, how to greet somebody, how to sit at a table, all those different things. We'd practice it, and they thought it was fun. It was funny. It was silly because not uh, you know we would first demonstrate it, and so daddy or mommy would do that. We would go over there and shake somebody's hand. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. It seemed silly, but the kids enjoyed it. They thought it was funny. It was it was hilarious, and they did it. And it wasn't intimidating anymore. It wasn't a and, punishment and, at all. But don't do it as a punishment. That's very important. Right. You do it as, oh, we need more training on this, and not to be accusatory, right? If you go back to the game, let's think of a pro team, right? Professional soccer team or football team. In the middle of the game, the coach sees, okay, that's, and maybe he's thinking, I have trained on that, we, but obviously we need more training on that. Okay, ref, stop the game. We need a timeout. Everybody get off the field. We're going to practice. No, no. Go home next week, and during this next week, you, you have a team meeting. Hey, team, you know, and you're not, oh, you're not saying, oh, you, Bob, you did a bad job. You say, okay, I think as a team maybe we need to practice this skill, so let's do this skill today. And then you just practice. Now it's a non-harsh um, uh, environment. It's not accusatory, and the whole family is getting to practice, and, and they're having fun. And that's, and that's, that's the so type of thing. Important. I know it. Uh... I, I know of a uh, of, of a younger person. I don't want to. I'm not sure if that person would want this story necessarily shared or not. I know a younger person who was playing basketball. Uh, was like middle school age, and uh, uh, it was the first year that that this person was on that team. Uh, moved to a new area, a new school, mm-hmm. and all of the kids on the team had played together, summer camp leagues and previous school years or whatever. They all knew each other. And they apparently had the same coach in the past. So they knew all the lingo and all the plays and that's sort of, but this other this one player who was new didn't know. And when that player went in the game, there was an assum- assumption, there was like an assumed knowledge. Like <laughs> clearly the person's gonna know this, didn't know, and immediately got yanked out of the game, got berated for making mistakes and not knowing better. And it sounds silly, but it was so embarrassing that let me do the math. It took uh it took five basketball seasons for that player to recover from yeah. the emotional scar. Five years to recover from the emotional scarring from that one incident. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You hurt the child emotionally, and they learn to distrust you because they don't know that you're, you're going to protect them and you're going to do the right thing by them. So that's very important to find out, have you trained this person? Have you trained this child? And as Daniel said, uh, also, if you have multiple children, don't point out, Oh, because Bobby didn't know how to do this. We're all going to have to practice again. No, because if you do that, then you're doing the same thing. You're hurting them, uh, you know, in front of other people. You're embarrassing them. You don't want to do that. He said, I think we just need more practice in this. You know, I was just thinking that we should do this a little bit more. Just, you know, you guys already know this, but let's practice it anyway. On the way you were describing it before, it's, it's like pretend play. Kids yeah. love pretend. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And we, we get so much more accomplished. And, and in fact... Uh, we've had uh, little ki- little kids. I remember one of my uh, one of my little sisters. She was like two or three. Um, she uh, she had her baby doll. Was you know would go over there and 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 uh, she was telling us, oh yeah, my my baby doll was not was not uh, sitting still in church. So now she's practicing. She's we're practicing how to sit. So she would sit her baby up there and say. Oh, good job. And then she'd take her up and do. So she would actually make the baby dolls practice these things that she had been practicing, which is really cool. That's one of the challenges that our culture has now. Is there's, I don't know if there's quite as much pretend play because there's all these gadgets and gizmos, right? They have their face buried in mm-hmm. screens or what have you. And um, 
parents are outsourcing the babysitting to the uh, the television screen or something. You mentioned about three, three or four minutes ago, probably now, uh, citing a scripture passage, mm -hmm. and that would have been a perfect time to segue. But we weren't <laughs> finished talking. But let me rewind. Perfect segue, Daniel. You're bringing up a scripture passage. One of the things we wanted to talk about was memorizing scripture with your children. So, what what is that? How does that look like in your family? What do you recommend for other families? So, it is doable. That's the biggest thing that that you have to understand. It's the biggest question we get. And we say, oh, well, memorizing scripture that's really hard. Or maybe when you think when you hear me say memorizing scripture, you might think I mean memorize a verse or maybe one of the really short psalms or something. No, I'm talk we're talking about memorizing entire books of the Bible. And your children can do this. Your six- and seven-year-olds can know the in, in several books of the Bible. It is possible. And how do you do it? You do it in small sections. You know, break it up. But first of all, immerse them in Scripture. That's probably the, one of the most important things you can do as a parent is constantly be reading Scripture to them, making sure they're in and around Scripture, hearing Scripture, seeing Scripture everywhere. And they start to get familiar with it. And you break it down, right? Oh, you, you might be thinking, oh, I can't memorize the book of Acts. Well, sure you can. How about memorize Acts 1, verses 1? Oh, you can memorize one verse, right? No, you're a good Christian. You go to church sometimes, right? You can memorize a verse. Well, how about two verses? Well, how about three verses? Now, you're seeing where I'm going with this, so now you're starting to get overwhelmed because you can hear I'm telling you to memorize 28 chapters now. But you can break it into small pieces, and eventually you can get there. And there's a lot of different things. For example, with, uh, one of the things that we did in our family is my wife would record uh, the Bible. She would, she would speak the Bible, record it, and have it playing in the background. So as Daniel was growing up, he was hearing the Bible spoken by his mother, a voice and sound that he should be very familiar and lovingly accept. And we didn't even realize, you know, one time the, the battery ran out and the recording stopped, and Daniel kept the rest of the, he rest of the chapter, he finished it verbatim while he was pushing a truck around doing something else. And that was a shock to us. We didn't realize he had been memorizing it, but he did. And this was at three years old. So the first thing we have to decide as parents is don't take negativity. It is definitely possible. Not only possible, it is very, very good to do. And God asks us to do it. We should know his word. If it's in our hearts, it'll always be there. So <clears throat> all the naysayers out there, just put them out of your mind. But, but allow them to memorize in the way they, they learn best. And this is helpful for homeschooling parents as well if you're teaching other subjects besides Scripture memorization. But Don't make it harder. Everybody learns different ways. You know, boys especially learn best while they're moving around and doing things. It just as a general rule, girls may be able to sit still, but don't make them to sit still. You know, you can be jumping up and down on the trampoline and quoting Scripture. You know, and, and, and in fact, boys are probably going to learn better while they're jumping up and down on the trampoline. I was on a, on a ripstick, like a skateboard type of thing, and, and memorizing Scripture. That helped me be, uh, keep, uh, keep my legs and arms moving so that there wasn't a distraction, and it actually made it easier to memorize. And one of the things is if you make it a game, make it challenging, but make it make rewards. We joined uh, Bible quizzing. I don't know if you're familiar with Bible quizzing. Bible quizzing, you have to actually memorize whole books of the, of the Bible, you know, not just a, a few verses here and there. I mean, a whole book, like you said, Acts. You had to memorize Acts. And uh, then you, had, you were sitting on a jump seat, so meaning that you had to jump up and the and buzzer would go off if you jumped up first to be able to answer the question. And that competition made it worthwhile for the children to want to do that because they wanted to win. And it wasn't winning any prizes. It was just the accolades, just being in first. And uh, it was a great time. But it gave a purpose to, because as a child, you don't really have a purpose to memorizing the Bible. But to win a game, that's a purpose. And when they're older, they're definitely going to remember it because the verses are going to come out 
for our situation. So Daniel has much more of the Bible memorized than I ever will because he spent growing up years memorizing it for contests, for competition. And during a time of his life when it was going to stick much more readily. Absolutely. Children right. are able to memorize things better than adults are. And uh, and I'll, uh, we're going to wrap up here. We're running out of time on the show. But I do want to say, you know, the story about Daniel uh, learning through osmosis, just being exposed to the recording playing over and over again. That works in the negative, too. So pay attention to the kinds of things you're saying and the sorts of things you're exposing your children to because they're picking up way more than you think they are. And uh, they might surprise you with some words that will fly out of their mouth or some attitudes that they have or some things like, how do you know about that? They saw it on a TV show when they were four, and you didn't think that it went, you know, it went over their head, and it didn't. Anyway, this is the Faith Debate. Thank you to uh, Imran and Daniel Razvi. You can check out their resources online uh, uh, at uh, conqueredbylove.org, and uh, visit us online. Uh, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm just going to say go to householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, God bless.